When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are joined on this lovely, sunny Monday morning by Jennifer Reef, who has come to talk to us a little bit about her own experiences of baby loss some years ago, um, and then also supporting her daughter through her experiences too. So welcome to welcome to the show, I was going to say, but welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. It's lovely to have you. Thank you. And I just wanted to say that the reason I'm here is because I listened to your podcast with Lois and I was driving up to London to, to look after Lois and my grandchildren and I was crying. I was so touched by, you know, the saying so 40 years ago, it all kind of came flooding back. And I just want to say how wonderful it is. The things you're doing, you're just allowing people to express their feelings because that's really what it's all about for me yeah it's oh. you should probably mention at this point that that jennifer is lois goodman's mum so lois is uh, one of the export experts in our membership um she's our grief trauma coach and she has also been on the podcast before and we've been on her podcast mm-hmm. it's sunshine shit shit what is it called shit to sunshine, shit to sunshine. <laughs> really hard to say yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Jennifer reached out to us after you it was after you'd listened to her, us on her podcast wasn't it um, yeah and yeah and we just wanted to get you in to talk about it because yeah maybe start at the beginning and tell us about your experience of, of baby loss yeah so um I had my first miscarriage after about three years of being married and I just remembered it this morning to say that um I went for a checkup I was probably about 13, 12 weeks checkup. And my mum came with me and I got into the, saw the doctor and then he just said, anyway, I'll book you in tomorrow for a, a DNC. And he walked out. Do you have any clue what that was? No! <laughs> I, I'm vulnerable. I'm 30 something. Yeah, I'm 20 something. I've come in with my first baby. So excited because I couldn't get pregnant very easily. Mm. So I, I, interestingly enough, when I'm when my back's against the wall, I'll go out and fight. So I went out and I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, come in tomorrow and have a DNC, you know, take it away. <laughs> yeah, my first child, my, well, I, I don't need to tell anybody who's ever got pregnant and waited to get pregnant how wonderful that feeling is. And then it's completely wiped out. But I felt, oh, even now, I felt so, um, how could anyone treat me like that? And don't you dare treat anyone else like that. So I went out and I sought out a nurse and I said, get that guy back and tell him never to say that to anyone ever again. Mm. At that 
point had you had you lost the baby physically had you what what had happened no I was so no I had no bleeding nothing nothing was so you thought you were at at this point you thought you were pregnant and everything was fine and then he said and then he said that out of nowhere yeah, come out, come in tomorrow. I'll put you in tomorrow for doing something. Bloody hell. I mean, I'm glad things aren't great these days, but they've changed enough for that shit not to be happening anymore. But I wasn't going to allow that to happen to no. anyone else. I said, you cannot do that. You cannot talk to people like that. I said, you, can't. <laughs> you have to sit down and talk to them and explain. I'm really sorry. Something's gone wrong. I don't know what. I, I, I can't, you know... Well, you know, just be a human. Yeah. Be human. So what happened after that then? When you came back, when he came back, did you unleash hell on him? Well, I'm probably crying most of the time, but I think I got the message across to him because it was so insensitive. I mean, there's what, you know, we know it's happened and I wouldn't have accepted it any other way any better but the way he would if he would have explained to me I would have at least known and it kind of dismissed my whole thing I kind of felt it hadn't it just wasn't worth I wasn't worthy you know I was young I I really I really took it badly it makes you feel like your you and your baby and your experience is just insignificant when these don't don't care and don't give you the time of day to to explain things and and like you say treat you like a human it makes you think I mean no wonder there's this this big um element of shame over the whole topic when people were made to feel like that as if it just none of it mattered completely invalidates your whole experience doesn't it invalidates your whole experience the experience that you've had of motherhood thus far and also it it robs you. I think that 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 treatment like that robs you of so much of your childhood as well. Like, you know, we we wrote a post recently about no one's mother's narrative of motherhood ends with the words "I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat." And it's like we have this preconceived idea of what all this stuff is going to do and what all this stuff is going to be. And then to have to to have to come to the terms with that that's not going to be the case anymore is really difficult. But have to have that so cruelly cruel. That's cruel. Very cruel. It's mad. And I was wondering that joy in the future. So going on to another pregnancy, like how the hell were you meant to feel hopeful when that's the experience that you had last time? Yeah, and how, and how, as you said, even that short time when you find out you're pregnant, if you really, really are excited about it, Mm. oh, my God, it's like the opposite to what happened to me. It was like this elation. I was so excited. I was thrilled. I can't tell you how much I wanted to be pregnant. Mm. <laughs> and then I wasn't. So it mm. was, and it's still here today <laughs> with me. But I'm really glad I said something. Mm. I, I hope oh, he never did that again to anyone else. I yeah. think that's the thing, though, isn't it? Because people don't say things. People don't. And and then people leave thinking that, you know, that for us, the the feelings of complete overwhelming grief are normal. But because we come into contact with professionals who behave, thankfully, not you don't often hear as badly as what happened to you, Jennifer. But because we come into that clinical behavior of professionals, we assume they're the normal ones. We assume that's the normal response. So yeah. then we start thinking that our grief is what, Laura? It's disproportionate to our loss. <laughs> exactly. And that leaves us feeling like we're not dealing with it and we're not coping. Whereas if we could just 
tell all these or show and educate all these people into into so we're all singing off the same kind of grief hymn sheet then at least everything would be validated yes and that's it you don't feel validated and you've got enough problems being who you are and learning about yourself in the first place I was like most people carrying a lot of stuff anyway so Mm. and then I've got this it's like another layer of another thing I've now got to work out and I don't even know how to do that no idea you know, just come in tomorrow, get rid of it, and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, that's really interesting you say that, actually, because that's something we've never really talked about before, the fact that we're all people and we all have our shit to deal with anyway, you know, with, regardless of our fertility. We've all yeah. got work and relationship and, you know, life issues, and then this kind of comes and buries us. And that's why I think some people, I mean, it, it, lots and lots and lots, obviously, most people are so deeply affected but perhaps that's why some people find it more difficult to move through because of the other stuff that's going on in their lives and we never really talked about that before have we no but it is up until that point how are you what are you what are you even feeling before you get pregnant so you haven't that's it you haven't really sorted yourself out and then you're bringing another a a baby into the world and then you've got that it's Mm. and that that stops you sometimes dealing with your own stuff because you're so busy being a mum and you're so overwhelmed or, I mean, I was joyous. I loved it. I, I, I got on with it really well. I, was, I really enjoyed it. But even so, husband, mother, I had mother on, my, on her own, so I was looking after my mum and I'd had a baby, you know, after I had a child. But there is all this stuff that it's taken me all these years to work through. And that's just added on to it. But that's a big, um, uh, what's that? it's never been um, addressed. It's not unresolved and, stuff. No, well, look, I'm talking about now and I'm feeling it. Mm. So it's, it, it's um, a process of uh, looking after yourself first before you even get pregnant but how you know I didn't know about anything I didn't know about self-awareness I I had no idea I thought everything was happening to me and it wasn't anything to do with me it wasn't my fault and I blamed everybody else and then I realized 40 50 years later it's, it's a whole different thing so I think there's a lot of educating to be done perhaps before you even get pregnant and bring a beautiful person into this world and then have to, as you know, if your mum's and if you've done that, you know how challenging and wonderful at the same time that is. Mm, yeah, I think you're so right in, in terms of being able to pour, you know, not being able to pour from an empty cup and that, self, you know, the, the, the kind of way that self-care traditionally brings us images of, of robes and uh, and stuff cucumber yeah oh my god can you imagine <laughs> i wish um but actually sell self- everything out won't it bit of cucumber yeah, bit of cucumber bit of <laughs> on the face <laughs> but it's, like, it's like you know that self-care people view it in a really negative way i think but actually we need a new name for it because it's not that it's it's literally it's like self-preservation really it's vital. it's vital and you yeah. can't begin to do anything for anyone else unless you're okay and I've learned that the hard way <laughs> but now I just you know you I realize that I cannot give what I do not have and in order to build my resources I really need to look at 
doing the stuff that we kind of offer in the membership and stuff look at the 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 breathing and the healing and the sleeping and the exercise and the food and stuff in order to help everyone else like I so desperately want to but you you don't don't get taught that at school do you and that's the big problem I mean if only you know I didn't like school because it uh, it was a lot of facts and I'm not very good with information flowing to me never never really was very visual and it wasn't really interesting to me if only they would teach you how to be uh put yourself first not selfish because I mean we were all taught to you know putting yourself first means you're selfish but mm. it isn't it's putting yourself first so that you can give to others you can't give mm. what you've got you can't you can't do it so mm. if you taught as a child you were valuable you were loved whatever you did you were perfect as you are you don't have to do anything to be perfect you are perfect and therefore teach them about loving yourself and looking after yourself not the cucumbers at all but you know (laughs) something like reading up about these marvelous women that have come before us and and succeeded and this amazing love we have to give to others. I mean, there's so many wonderful things you could teach kids. And how to, and if something goes wrong, if something, you know, you could teach them so that when something awful happens to them, they will still feel what they have to feel because you must do that. But they will have an idea that it's okay. Yeah. You will survive. And you will grow resilience. Mm, we are resilient but we don't realize it we're so powerful and the trouble is we I think we only realize how resilient we are when we when we're up shit creek with no paddle and we have to be you know we have to show that resilience yeah but that's with everything else that's going on you have to it's it's a juggling act you know trying to be resilient a mother a daughter a wife a sister a brother an employee you've got to be all those things at the same time as maybe feeling this terrible grief and as you know what things you said like oh you're fine you'll be all right soon don't worry you're young all those things you said really touch me because that's what people say well you're young I mean you know (laughs) what do you want yeah chin up it'll happen Look, don't worry. Yeah, it'll be another time. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. Wasn't and your time. Wasn't your time. I haven't I even had somebody once say to me, what was it? I had a miscarriage and she wants to know what people just don't know what to say. And I don't I and now I understand they just don't know what to say. So they yeah. say something stupid or they walk across the road, they don't face you because they don't know what to say or people say oh I had that and it was so painful I couldn't come and see you because I had that Mm. so people you have to understand people don't know what to say and in a way I won't say feel sorry for them but you can't really take any notice but the thing is if you don't understand yourself you will listen to them and you'll think I don't even matter they're not even acknowledging what's happening to me they're not telling me I can cry I can cry my eyes out all night if I want to, because that's okay. I think that people generally, generally speaking, I think people do the best with what they've got. I think we yeah. all do that. I think we all yeah. do. We cope. We cope with the best of what we've got. But I think you're so right in terms of, and I could say this from my own personal experience, a few years ago, I would take on other people's advice and opinions and because I was so unsure of who I was. And that's exactly what we're saying. Fundamentally, you don't get taught how to find out who you are at school. And you might go on a 
fucking wanky year out to discover yourself but realistically all I discovered was box wine and (laughs) then (laughs) yeah you know like you don't and if we had these tools like the kind of the tools that we've talked so much about these our emotional toolbox if we got taught how to build an emotional toolbox at school then we would be more resilient and we would be and I'm able to collide I'm going through some shit at the moment but and I'm able so much more to cope with it now but only because I I did all the, the the hard stuff a few years ago. Like I was up shit creek and I had to sink or swim and I had to adapt or die. Yeah. So all that, all that sort of stuff. And now life is so much easier for me because I have that resilience. But when you don't have that and you don't know how to build it, you get hit by everything. And then you get hit by the opinions and then you get hit by the well-meaning platitudes, at least this, at least that look on the bright side of life and you're thinking oh my god I can't look on the bright side of life there is no bright side of life what is wrong with me and you completely internalize it but I think it's the problem and I think I totally agree so I'm really up for people knowing things before I mean if you can't get it in a school you know if it's not in the schools teach your children teach your you can teach your children I mean my children are 40 and 30 something so I'm still imparting stuff to them when I can (laughs) if possible you know I'm showing them and I'm telling them but it would have been lovely if I could have done that earlier I mean of course I gave them lots I'm not saying I didn't I gave them the best I could with what I had and I I say you know I can't blame my parents they can't blame me we're all doing the best we can with what we've got at the time but wouldn't it be lovely if we had that self-esteem and that self-worth so that when someone says something to you, you just don't, it just goes over your head. You yeah. don't, no, it's not true. You, you want to pull your eyes out one night, two nights, a week. I don't care. Do it. Because mm. that allowing your emotions to come out and it being okay that you feel like that, because that's the fact. You do feel like that. At least say, yeah, I feel awful. I want to die. This is horrible. And you will come out of it. Of course you'll come out of it. So, the warriorship, we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex? And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The Warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's packed full of stuff. So we just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the Warriorship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month in the coming months we have got body positivity workshop gratitude workshop and loads 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 more and on top of that we also have a resident mental health specialist and on top of that if if that wasn't enough there's 13 events every month and there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organizing that you can be a part of so it really is thriving and all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too we love to see you there whatever it is you feel disappointment Mm. i don't know as long as you don't feel i'm not good enough that's the Mm. thing yeah you've got to you've got to love yourself that's these once you've got over the upset then you've got to start being kind to yourself love yourself this is the time when you have to say I don't want to do that. I want to do that. Yeah. Because I do. 
I need oh, I need to go to bed now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need to yeah. So you've got to be your authentic self. And I think this is where it's very difficult when you come up against any loss, any loss, you know, somebody's death, the parents' death, uh, your child's death, uh, a newborn, a three, three, you know, 12-week-old fetus. Again, it's your, it was yours. You were looking forward to this amazing experience. Mm. Whack, you get slapped. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel like that if you had that resilience. You would not feel threatened or invalidated. Yeah. You'd Jennifer, feel okay. Yeah. I'm interested to hear um, how your, your journey to motherhood went after that um that miscarriage that you had what how long was it until you fell pregnant again about four years I could I just couldn't wow. I think what happened was that event it, it it don't do this again Jen I think that's what my message would have been to myself unconsciously don't do this again because it might happen again <laughs> but in the end it was like four or five years and I thought I wanted you know my, all my friends were having kids that was another thing of phoning me up another one there in three I haven't had one yet I went to a doctor and within a month I got pregnant and luckily I got through it somehow and Lois was born <laughs> the love of my life oh, oh did the doctor do anything for you or was it just knowing that you were being heard and listened to that that helped you think well I think oh at least it was a long time four years later I probably thought this is ridiculous I need to I'm gonna have to take another chance really mm. I'm gonna have to be willing if I want a baby I'm gonna have to take a chance and if I have that again at least I know I know what DNC is now. I know. I know what that is. Yeah. And, you know, it's not so terrible if you know what I mean. It's just making sure that you're okay for next time. If if that's it was the when you've been through something so horrific, you although you hope with all of your heart that it will never happen again, you know that you can survive it. Yes. The first time you don't know, think you're ever going to survive it, do you? Exactly. And, you, and you're frightened. I mean, I was terrified. And that's what stopped me getting pregnant. There's no doubt about it. And then I had another miscarriage after Lois. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, or maybe two. I can't. I, I think I've had three, yeah, three miscarriages. Mm. So first with Lo then Lois, then two more. And after that, I gave up because I was so grateful I had Lois. Mm. I had a child and I, you know, I was meant to be a mum. I definitely was meant to be a mum. I meant to give this love to this wonderful child. And then at third, uh, six years later, I was pregnant. I was completely shocked. I didn't know what to make of it. I was 35. And in 19... I mean, 35 now is about yes. average, yes. probably. It's actually classed as geriatric, though. But 35 back then... I was, my friends were saying, what are you doing? <laughs> Are you mad? Now, I would never get rid. I would never have an abortion. There's no way I was going to do anything. But I was so terrified. I didn't acknowledge it till I was four months pregnant. I was saying to Leo, it's, not, it's nothing. I'm not I'm putting on my No, there's nothing there. It's not happening. I wasn't even going to the hospital because in case after that three-month thing, I mean, I realise you can lose it anyway, but yeah, I wasn't having it. 
And then, of course, I was four or five months pregnant by the time I went to check it out. And oh. so then I had a, yeah, I had March, who came along, a, a sort of very unexpected, wonderful, another wonderful child. So very lucky, but um, it's uh, it's been, I don't know, I suppose it does bring you, in a, some way, you become stronger in some mm. way. And talk us through, obviously, you've had that experience yourself. And then Lois, when Lois experienced her loss, I mean, talk us through your experience of that. Yeah, it's, it's really, um, it's another step back. It's a, it's, it's, it's a very interesting place to be because you're not the one who's lost a child, but your child has lost a child. Mm, yeah. and, and the connection between you and your child and that child... It's so deep. It's it's as if you've lost. Um, yeah, it's a, it's it was my loss. Obviously, there's no comparison. You can't. I would never say that it would be the same as Lois's because it could never be. Mm. But it was from a different perspective. You know, we're watching our daughter and our grandchildren and our son-in-law suffer so much, and we're completely helpless. Yeah. that's the hard thing isn't it that there's there's nothing you can do to make make it better because the only nothing thing that will make it better is bringing them back and, and you can't do that and and when she was suffering uh, Noah uh, we were there the whole time with her with Lois you know we, were, we weren't leaving we were staying so the support that was all we could do we could support them all the best way we could about being there for them, mm. um, but it's uh, it, you're helpless. Mm. Lois was helpless. We're, we're all helpless. And just to, if you haven't, uh, if you're not aware of Lois's story, Lois's daughter Noah died at was it eleven weeks? Ten, ten weeks, yeah. Ten, ten weeks. weeks, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was. Uh, it's just another loss, isn't it? It's it's um, another loss, and and a. Uh, from the heart especially when it's a, a baby um that's born and it's uh tragic and were you able like how were you we talked a lot about resilience and how you've learned how to be resilient were you at that stage when that awful awful tragedy happened were you able to kind of impart some of that onto Lois or were you able to be there for her in a way that you don't think you could have been years beforehand I don't think I would have felt as supportive a few years beforehand because I wouldn't have understood myself as I do now. Yeah. So yes, actually, it's a very good point you make because I was able to, in my way, support them without it being overwhelming for me, which it would have been if I wouldn't have understood myself more. I would have just been encased in my own grief and that mm. wouldn't have been helpful for Lois. Yeah, um, you know, after the event, we, Leon and I, my husband, and I, we were both, we both went to bed for six weeks. We weren't well, but it was, we were, we were there for support, at the right time, in the, in I hope, a way that helped. I hope. Oh, I'm sure you were. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it's. Um, you're right. I, I think it did help me understanding myself because I then spent when I had. March, my second daughter, 
I was seriously ill. I had a I had a cesarean, then I had a hysterectomy, and for seventeen months I was I was ill. I couldn't look after Lois or March. Blimey! Why did you have a hysterectomy? Um, they can't if they don't they don't even know what happened. Oh yeah, the placenta was stuck. Okay. The only way they could help me was to give me a hysterectomy, and then they slipped a stitch while they were doing it. So I'd lost a lot of blood, and then they actually said to my husband, we're not sure if she's going to survive. Bloody hell. So that was, and then the next day I went up to ICU, and then the, the, slip, the stitch that they'd done slipped again, and I went down and had another transfusion. My so, God, I mean, that is a trauma in itself. That was, yeah, that was, that took, that was, I think that also is another turning point in my life when, I went through 18 months of hell. I hated everything. I couldn't look after my own children. And I have to tell you about, you know, insensitive people. I had a, um, a social worker came to my door one day. And I remember I'm like, sit, I'm, I'm like five stone. I can't, I'm just walking there. She said, have you got anybody to look after your two children? I said, yeah, my mum and my husband. Well, because if you haven't, we will take them into care. On the on my doorstep, they, those were her words. Blimey. <laughs> I, I said, just go away now and never come back. Yeah. Can you imagine? I'm going to take your two children away in care. In care. Yeah, so again, this is 1986. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, like, doesn't, I mean, and I wasn't strong enough to just say, oh, go away. Yeah. <laughs> You're not taking my kids into care. I was like, <laughs> mm. oh my God. So it was it was awful. I, I, I've learned, I have to say, I've learned a lot from all of these experiences. Mm. Like we all do. If we've got any, uh, if we've got the strength, we will pick ourselves up. Like you said before, sink or swim. I went to the doctor and I said, I've got two choices. I can sink or I can swim. And I think I'll swim. Mm. Don't give me any drugs. I'll swim. I'll swim to the top because I was right down there. And yeah, I was up. But I heard another expression recently. Someone said to me, well, you can get bitter or you can get better. And I love that as well. It's so true, isn't it? We could, like, we all have the, we all have the potential to drown in our own self-pity and, just not be able to see anything but shit because we've all got shit that we could get lost in, right? But Definitely. do we want to live our lives in that way, only focusing on what's not perhaps as we choose it? Or or do we want to start trying at least to sort of claw back some sort of grains of gratitude, even if it's just small, you know, these incremental steps that we can make every day will yes. in a few weeks' time, a few months' time, a year's time. Yes. Enough to, to get us back towards that surface of that water, get us swimming again. Well, you're drowning, aren't you? You're drowning. You're drowning in your sorrow. And it's okay for a while to, to do, you know, you need to, I don't know about drowning your sorrow, but you do need to go away and you do need to. Have a good old swim in it. You do. You yeah. do. <laughs> Wallow in it. Get, get that donut out and go on a lazy river, a lazy yeah. river of sorrow. <laughs> you, you, we do need, and, and that's the permission isn't it I'm gonna be upset all day today because I feel like it 
and yeah. I'm going to go have an ice cream and I'm going to do what I like and have a bath. I just think it's this permission with uh, giving ourselves permission to grieve, permission to laugh, permission to be funny, permission to do whatever we like. Yeah. Without, you know, we're not selfish creatures. We're nurturers. We're mothers. You know, that's what we do. We look after everyone else. And I remember saying to Leon once, because we do a lot of work together, because when I do a lot of healing, I practice on Leon. And now he's been helped in many ways <laughs> with, with the things we've done together. But I said to him, where are you on the list? He said, I'm not on the list. And that's a man saying that. He mm. wasn't even on the list in his family circumstances. He was disregarded, he felt. So it's interesting. I often say to my clients, where are you on the list? Are you on the list? Oh. Really. What on the list of like your priorities? Coming first. Yeah, the first okay. person on your list in every day is you. Mm. It is mad, isn't it? My acupuncturist said to me the other last time I went to see him, I've been going for like hormonal stuff. And he was like, what do you do? for yourself and I was like well I've got like exercise I, I really into my exercise and he was like yeah but that outpours a lot of energy and he said you need to think about doing stuff that doesn't use any energy like heart energy so you you like reading a book for example or sitting in the sun even if it's just mm -hmm. 10 minutes a day to start to recharge that battery because that's the only way well he was saying that's the only way that we can ever recharge our batteries is when we do nothing like when we think about plugging ourselves in or if we imagine ourselves as a, a solar power thing we, we can't expel any more energy if we're not getting any sunshine for our souls and, mm. and that, that's it the end i mean i work with energy all my all my work is always about energy moving that energy and you're right if you don't go out for a walk i'm very lucky we now live by the sea so i oh. can go to the sea in 10 minutes and everything changes for me i don't do any meditation i just i'm just there and i have to do that it's like a thing i have to do now because it's so important for me to switch off. All from, especially with the, the technology we're talking about, you know, you're on your phone, a message comes through, and if you're like your phone, you'll pick it up. Leon, yeah. like that. I mean, I see people in restaurants, everyone's on their phone. Mm. That's literally not switching off, let alone switching off. <laughs> Even switching <laughs> their phones off. Go away and do have a cup of do something fun, do something nice, do something, get out in nature, breathe the air, be grateful. I mean, if we don't have that, how can we help ourselves and how can we help our kids? How can we help our friends? How can we help anybody? If we're nurturers, we need to nurture ourselves first. Mm. It doesn't work any other way. That's why we get people burning out. That's why you get people screaming and shouting in traffic. Mm. what's that about <laughs> just so I mean you are looking at one of them in that in that corner or Lord, Lord I, I see <laughs> oh mate you're the worst what in traffic, in traffic you are <laughs> voice notes I get that get interrupted by oh my mate you got really? a turn oh I, I'm quite <laughs> classic actually we need to speak later we need to speak so I, I, I got lots of, like you're saying, I had lots of very positive experiences because you must bring that in. It's really important. And I learned healing and I learned counselling and I learned hypnotherapy because all these things helped me. That wasn't for anyone else. It was all for me yeah. to work out, figure out what was going on with me so I could be the best me I can be. Mm, so I, I was that. so 
confused. I was so confused. I just thought it was all happening to me randomly. You know, mm. I was being punished. Had a miscarriage being punished. Had another one being punished. Mm. Oh, my God. So, you know, now I have a, you know, I, I hope people come to it a lot sooner than I did. But it's been a journey for me. And now I do something called tapping. And it's just acupuncture. Oh, yeah, we know that tapping. Yeah, so I do that. So I do all these wonderful things to help myself first. And then mm. I help other people. I want other people to feel empowered now without it being, oh, she's an empowered woman. I don't like anything like that. Women are women and we're strong and men are strong and we've all got wonderful qualities, but we are entitled, especially when you think of the things we all do in a day, we, are, we need to be empowered and know when to stop. It's really interesting. You mentioned something just a moment ago, Jen, about how we feel or how you felt and how I certainly used to feel that everything happens to us. And I think our interpretation of what happens in life is, is the key there. It's, it's not what necessarily what happens. It's how we interpret that, isn't it? Like you, like a punishment. And if we can reframe that interpretation, change the way we interpret life events, then we can start to maybe reprioritize and see things in a, with a, with a wider angle lens and get things more sort of coherently. I'm just pulling out fancy no, words. Now, but yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like see things properly as they are. If we can change the when way that we interpret though, them. When you're going, when you're going through it in the early stages of grief, you do feel like, why me? Why? Yeah. You know, it, it is unfair, and um, and it it's is hard to have that pos- more positive outlook, isn't it? When when you're when you're there in the trenches. But, yeah. but I don't yeah, I don't think you need to be positive in that instant. I think you need to grieve. I think you have to give yourself permission and say, well, of course, I mean, if you spoke to your friend and she was going through it, you'd say, of course you're going to be feeling like this. Feel it. Yeah. The most important thing is to feel it because if you go through it, you'll come out of it. But yeah. if you don't go through it, you will never come out of it. I mm-hmm. grieved my dad for 15 years when he died. I couldn't grieve for him until I went to somebody's funeral who looked like my dad and I was hysterical, completely out of context. But I couldn't bear it, the loss. I couldn't bear the loss. Um, And I had a big loss at the beginning of my life and it really stopped me feeling. Mm. I was never allowing myself to feel anything because it was too painful. It's mad, isn't it? Because you, when you stop, when you put that blocker down, you don't allow yourself to feel it. And then something further down the line, just like you've just said, something triggers you, something something on some in someone else's life even, or someone else's drama triggers you. And then you're like, not only you've got the grief that you've never quite processed, but you've got all this like, yeah. why, why do I feel like this? And you never get rid of it. That's why you have to address it. I, I work with people who are stuck in their past because that's what happens when we do not allow ourselves to grieve for whatever it is doesn't matter what it is so if you can I take people back in a very safe way I don't take them back to feel that way but I say this is why you're feeling like this and once they understand oh my god I said no wonder um you are gonna feel you lost your mum at 10 of course you're gonna feel that an overwhelming grief if no one ever allowed you to say anything 
in mm. those days. We're talking about years ago. I mean, I don't even know what would happen now. But if you're not allowed to grieve, if nobody talks to you about that person that's gone, it's like invalid. You, you, it never happened. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you'll take it with you for the rest of your life. Mm. You have to let it go in a way that it says it's okay. Permission to yeah. do that. You need to sit on the lazy river of grief. But there has to come a time when you say, right, I've been around there too many times. Let's say. Uh, how many times have you all, all of us, had something? Yeah, it might last, uh, whatever it lasts, doesn't matter. There's no time limit because everyone's mm-hmm. different. Grief, grief for two weeks, three weeks, five weeks. But you will come out of it if you're allowed to do that. Give yourself the permission to feel crap because you want to give yourself the permission to feel fantastic, don't you, as well? When something goes right. Yeah. But it's the other end of it. Give mm-hmm. yourself permission to feel everything you want to feel in an appropriate setting at the appropriate time. And that's how you can accept yourself and you can feel that nothing is, no one's doing anything to you. Mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. are there for a reason. Everything that's ever happened to me, there is a reason why I had the same person come in my life over and over again to teach me how to be patient or to teach me how not to be bullied or to teach me resilience. If you can look at the lesson you've got in the moment, even the grief, you think, okay, why was Noah here? Maybe Noah had to come here for 10 weeks because she had a mission. I don't know. You know, Lois and I talk about that and say she came here for a reason. We Mm. might not know what it is, but it's kind of like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I think if something makes sense to you and brings you comfort, it doesn't really matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, so I think it, you're right. I think it's just being be comfortable with yourself. It doesn't. Don't listen to anyone else. Don't ever let anyone tell you how it is for you. They mm. don't. They don't know. It's brilliant advice. Thank you so much for um, for joining us. It's just been it's been really really lovely chatting to you. And so. What do you do then? Because you've mentioned that your clients and stuff. What is your, where can people find you and stuff? Um, I've got, uh, they can find me on um, Jennifer Harris Reef on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They can come and visit me there. I've got some tappings, free tappings for people on YouTube. So if you come on today, you can click onto it. I'm in LinkedIn. Um I'm just helping women, particularly, I'll always help men as well, but I'm particularly helping women at the moment to face their fears of their past and be the best human being they can be, be happy, be, have fun, you know, give, give, just live that life that we're meant to live, which is full of everything. Just be yourself exactly as you are. Don't change. Yeah. So I, I suppose that's it. It's empowering. It's empowering women to be who they really are. Mm. Good tagline. Great, yeah. Mm. And by the way, the two of you are doing a wonderful job bringing this whole thing out into the open because that's all it needed. It needed somebody to give them permission, which is what you're doing. You're showing people it's okay, and that. You couldn't, you know, your your work is done, girls, for the moment, because it's so fantastic. <laughs> but keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep growing and keep, you know, doing what you're doing. Because it needs it needed 
to be said, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Now, we'll keep going. So, we'll keep going. You keep going. Oh, definitely keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jen. It was Thank brilliant to talk to you. And send our love to Lois. I will. I will. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. I will. All right. Take care now. Bye. 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 Bye.